Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1135, Three Things We All Need to Know About Desire by David Kane of raptitude.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, your very own personal narrator today and every day. So it's not a typical podcast. There are no interviews and it's short. I simply find the best blogs and get permission from the authors to narrate them for you. One every single day of the year to help you live a more meaningful life. It's like an ongoing free audiobook from a bunch of different authors. Now permission from popular minimalists, personal development authors, and more. Today's article being from raptitude.com. And if you're new here, there are lots of ways to listen for free. The most convenient is from a smartphone. I'll share a bunch of ways to listen at the end, but for now, let's get right to the post and start optimizing your life. Three Things We All Need to Know About Desire by David Kane of raptitude.com. The Main Street Strip in Mount Pleasant, Vancouver is a mile-long stretch offering every sense pleasure you could think of. Craft beer, sushi, third-wave coffee, trendy clothes, pizza and burgers, ergonomic furniture, artisanal ice cream. Last month on my first night back in civilization after a seven-day silent retreat, I spent most of the evening slowly walking that strip. Still hyper-aware and hyper-patient from the retreat, I kept noticing something my mind usually only does in the background. Maybe 15 or 20 separate times, I noticed myself getting really excited about acquiring something, a slice of pizza, a book, a dessert, a coffee. And then I noticed that feeling dissipate. Each of these cravings came and went in turn, and the experience was the same every time. There were five or 10 seconds of really intense wanting. Yes, that, I could have that. Then there was a minute or so of lingering enthusiasm, maybe some money-related rationalization about acquiring the tweed face notebook or blueberry lavender ice cream in question. But if I just kept walking past the storefront, the feeling ran out of steam very quickly. Five minutes later, I could remember it, but the emotional pull was all but gone. Desires begin vanishing as soon as they arrive, yet our responses to them can have far-reaching consequences. What we tend to do during those pivotal seconds can make all the difference between good health or poor health, retiring at 40 or at 70, and being generally happy or generally miserable. It's not much of a stretch to say that poor want management skills create virtually every problem in society. Corruption, addiction, violence, debt, corporate amorality, free products, environmental destruction, and every other lamentable thing in your newspaper. Given that wants and cravings essentially drive society, it's quite astonishing that we don't get much training in responding to them or even recognizing them when they're happening. 
the false choice we learn as kids. As children, the adults in our lives try to manage our desires by simply telling us that we can't have the thing we want, the candy, the toy, the TV show that was going to come on next. They said, no, we can't have it, and if necessary, physically prevented us from having the thing. We suffered quietly or loudly every time. Our young minds quickly determined that every desire produces one of two outcomes, getting the thing or suffering over not getting the thing. Then we grew up and began to earn our own money, and now Aunt Sally can't stop us from buying all the candy we desire. Our tastes have usually changed, however, to more costly things like clothes, furniture, cars, and booze. We learn only very slowly, if at all, better skills we're dealing with or even recognizing this endless torrent of emerging wants. Some wisdom develops over the years, partly through run-ins with credit card debt, health scares, addiction, and other dark learning experiences. Just acknowledging a few easy-to-overlook realities about desire goes a long way towards helping us create healthy, life-improving habits. It can get a lot more sophisticated. Buddhism is essentially a 2,600-year study of desire management, and it's no accident that my experiences on Main Street came on the heels of a silent retreat. That may not be your cup of tea, but there are at least three things we all need to know about the nature of wanting. Number one, desires appear constantly. You've experienced millions of desires and there'll be millions more, yet we operate as though we only want a finite collection of things and life is a quest to obtain those things as we can finally relax and feel stable and happy. But something's fishy there. If you were to write down in a journal all the things you find yourself wanting, The result is obviously not a list of things required to make you happy. 50th anniversary commemorative Sgt. Pepper jigsaw puzzle is not a vital ingredient to my well-being. Even listing a single day's worth of wants would make it obvious that desire is just an evolutionary function set on permanent overdrive, more security, more stimulation, fat and sugar, status, all the things. Clearly, there's no plan here, no roadmap to well-being, just a monkey with a megaphone and an endless list of demands, each of which costs something to fulfill. Number two, desires are a kind of pain. We often think of desires as pleasant because we associate them with our fantasies about acquiring the thing in question. But if you pay attention to wanting itself, it's a tense, breath-shortening feeling, one that makes the present moment a lot less tolerable. In consumer societies, we often relieve this tension habitually by paying the desire off going ahead and acquiring the thing, sacrificing some measure of money, health, or self-respect to do it, even if we know better on some level. If you wanna see the pain of desire separated out from soothing expectations of actually getting the thing, tell your child you're going to get ice cream, then tell them you've changed your mind. The child hasn't gained or lost anything, but simply putting that desire in her little mind without the promise of relief creates so much distress that it's clearly a cruel thing to do. Also notice that at some point, the desire subsides even if the ice cream was never delivered. All tantrums end, no matter our age, but the suffering is real. And once we hook our little hearts on some appealing object, the pain can stretch from moments to hours. And by that point, it has nothing to do with ice cream. Number three, desires don't last. This was obvious during my post-retreat saunter in Vancouver, but normally it's hard to see. Desires don't last very long. They're very short-term spasms of the mind, and this is a vital point to recognize if you wanna be financially stable, healthy, principled, and able to keep a manageable schedule. Imagine you're home with your partner on a super ordinary night watching Weekend at Bernie's on Netflix. 
During a particular scene, you feel a surge of excitement as you're struck with an idea. Hey, I could have a boat. I could be cruising the waves, wearing a white captain's hat, lit up by golden hour sun rays. Without recognizing this idea for the momentary spasm it is, you decide, yes, I will have that. I can swing it. Fred has a boat and I make at least as much as he does. Later, still excited, you Google boats, prices, and read a boat owner's FAQ. What could have been a 90-second mental digression during an ordinary Tuesday movie night instead becomes a years-long saga of financial pressure, including a much later retirement date. Only very occasionally does this situation deliver some of the idyllic but unnecessary wave-cruising pleasure you daydreamed about randomly that time on the couch. We might think our desires for big, costly things must arise from correspondingly deep, meaningful needs, but really it's just the mind going, yes, that, I could have that, for the millionth time. By remembering any of these points during that initial flare-up of wanting, we can avoid the extremely costly appeasement route. You can notice that you want something, and instead of slipping into negotiations mode, how great it would be, how you can justify it, you can go, okay, Desire number 10223235 has arrived. It won't be here long, and in the meantime, I will not let it shake me down. You just listened to the post titled Three Things We All Need to Know About Desire by David Kane of raptitude.com. He runs a virtual 30-day mindfulness and meditation workshop called Camp Calm. If there's anyone I'd recommend, it's him. Definitely check that out at campcom.com. I just wanna quickly mention the different ways you can listen to this show for free. The easiest is to subscribe through a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, and then you can play it while you're walking or exercising or driving, even on an airplane. And most podcast apps are free, but this show is also on Spotify and Pandora. Even Amazon devices like the Echo and Dot have it and can play it for you. Just tell your Amazon device to enable Optimal Living Daily. Or if you're just interested in this show, there is the Optimal Living Daily app that I made just for you. You can download that on your phone. So yeah, lots of options. You can even listen through your computer at oldpodcast.com. But I'll do it for today. Thank you for listening and sticking around until the end. Have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow as usual where your optimal life awaits. Hey, this is Dan from the Optimal Finance Daily Podcast, which is a lot like this show, except more focused on personal finance. Justin handpicks the best posts he can find from blogs and authors like Ramit Sethi, Mr. Money Mustache, and more, and I read them to you five days a week. So if you enjoy this podcast, come on over and subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily too. And together, we'll optimize your financial life. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.